I will add my welcome. Thank you all for being here. It's, uh, as Devin mentioned in his remarks, it's not convenient to be here sometimes, especially on days like this when our little, little town is flooded with lots of people. Um, but it is a wonderful, obviously, day of the week, the first day of the week that we can come together and, and gather with our brethren, our brethren and worship God. And we live in a beautiful area of the world, and people want to come here and see it. And so that's one of those things that, that we deal with. But it is wonderful to look out and see God's beautiful creation and, 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 and marvel at it and be thankful that we do indeed live in such a beautiful place in the world and, and can look about us and see God's glory and, and his creation. Thank you all for being here, for coming this morning and, and being a part of the worship here at Cortez. We have an ongoing series this year that uh, we're calling um, Walk in the Light. We began this last month and we looked at the idea that uh, the, the life of a Christian is a walk, which means it is, it is ongoing, it is moving forward, it is active. And in many places in scripture we talk, where it talks about walking in the light or being in the light, the idea there is to be in the glorious light of God. And we can see that and understand that, and especially um, through songs like we just sang, To God Be the Glory. And, and the things that we look about us and see and can appreciate as, as his children, and just as uh, people in the world can look around and see God's wonderful creation, and know that it is indeed a glorious light that God shines down upon us, both from his created uh, world and from himself, the light that he shines down upon us. So continuing that series uh, this morning, I want to, to, to consider what we read about in Matthew 5, which we read a minute ago, about um, letting our light shine before men. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5. Let's, let's read that again. We're going to use this as the basis of our, of our discussion this morning, if you'd like to place a marker there. Matthew 5, of course, recording our, uh, our Lord's Sermon on the Mount, where he gives this beautiful discourse about, um, about life, about uh, some very uh, fundamental things, about the teachings that come from God, and about our place in God's kingdom, the, the roles that we are to take on, what we're supposed to do. And he says in verse 14 of Matthew 5, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. So I want to take a look at that this morning and talk about the idea of letting your light shine before men. What does that mean? What does it mean to let our light shine before men? We're talking about the glorious light of God and walking in the light. But let's take this opportunity this morning to talk about what our Lord means when he says to let our light shine before men. So let's look at this in a little bit more in depth. And I want to start by... Um, by thinking about the light in a couple of different ways. First, we want to talk about a light that shines inwardly. In Matthew 5, there, verse 14, it says, You are the light of the world. 
a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. The basis behind this is understanding that sometimes we want to be able to do that. Sometimes we want to hide what's inside of ourselves. Sometimes we're not comfortable with the light shining inwardly to show what's going on inside of us. But I hope what we'll see is that if we want to be, uh, if we want to have that light shining outwardly, which we'll talk about here in a minute, we need to be comfortable with the light shining inwardly. We need to be comfortable with people seeing what's on the inside. And I will tell you, that's not always a very comfortable thing. Because there are things inside of us that we don't want people to see. But let's think of it this way. Let's think of what an example we can be, and we're going to look at example and all this, how this all breaks down into us being an example to other people. Let your light so shine before men. We need to start by understanding that it's okay for people to, to see our flaws, to know our past, to understand the, the journey that took us from point A to point B, and what has happened along the way to mold us and to make us into the, the human beings that we are, and hopefully to make us into the, the children of God that we are. Because that is our ultimate goal, is to be molded and made into um, a, a child of God. And it's okay for the people to see the process by which that has taken place. Let's start by considering um, a, a, a very familiar example, and that's the example of David. Go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. We remember from Bible classes and studies and even taught in to kids somewhere along the way about David's great sin. As David was a king in Jerusalem. And in chapter 11, we read there how he sent his armies out to do battle, and he was there in Jerusalem, and he was walking on his rooftop one night, and he, there he sees Bathsheba, and she is bathing on the rooftop, and he lusts after her, and he has relations with her, and she becomes pregnant. And then David tries to cover up the sin that he's committed by having Bathsheba's husband come back from the front line and, and hoping that he will go and be with her and so that the pregnancy can be accounted to him, and he refuses to do so, and so David winds up putting him in the, in the battle where he can be killed. And he is indeed killed, Uriah. And so we see not only the sin of adultery, but the sin then of murder, and of covering up all that has taken place here, and, and that's why this is sometimes referred to as David's great sin, because it was terrible. And in chapter 12, it says there in verse 1, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said, so Nathan comes to him and he gives him this parable. There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he bought and nourished and it grew up together with his children. It would eat of his bread and drink of his cup and lie in his bosom. He's like a daughter to him. And a traveler came through, um, a rich man, and he was uh, unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. Rather, he took the poor man's ewe lamb and prepared it, the man who had come to him. And of course, we know how this relates to what David had done. And David, then, verse 5, he says, David's anger burned greatly against the man. He said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. And he must make restitution for his lamb fourfold, because he did this thing and had no compassion. And then verse 7, Nathan said to David, 
You are the man. And so Nathan comes to him and tells him this parable, and David still doesn't realize what's going on here until Nathan pointedly says, you're the man. You're the one that has done this. You're the one that has taken something very precious to one person who had nothing else and taken it for your own. And because of that, you have created great sin. You have done a great sin and is worthy of, of condemnation, which David proclaimed himself. And after he points this out, and after David comes to the, rec the recollection that he is the one, look down at verse 13. It says, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. You know, recognizing the sin in our life is an important step in getting over it, and getting past it, and getting uh, repentance of it. If we walk around and we're not acknowledging the sins that we have, we're not doing ourselves any favors. We're certainly carrying around unrepented sin, which will separate us from God, and does separate us from God. We see in David here that he, created, uh, he committed a, a terrible sin, but when he was called on it, he acknowledged it. It goes on the rest of the story how he, he sat and prayed for the child that was within Bathsheba and how eventually that child would die and how David was so remorseful about it. But he recognized it, he acknowledged his sin. We need to take that as an example and understand that we need to own the things that we have done in the past. If they are unrepented sin, we need to repent of them. But we ought to let that light shine in inwardly so that others can see the things that we have overcome in our lives. A good example from the New Testament is Paul. Be turning to 1 Timothy chapter 1. We talked about in our Bible class this morning about how Saul, who was, who was Paul before he was, uh, or became Paul, how Saul was in hearty agreement with putting Stephen to death. But he didn't shy away from his past. He, he took it on. He, he owned it. He, understand that, he understood that he, he couldn't hide from his past, but rather he used it to show the glory of God. Here in 1 Timothy, beginning in verse 12 of chapter 1, 1 Timothy 1, verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. And yet I was shown mercy, because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. And yet, for this reason, I found mercy in order that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Be turning now to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Another example of this. Paul didn't shy away from his past. Instead, he, he, he demonstrated that God demonstrated his love towards him that while he was yet a sinner... He put him into service and used him for his good. In 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 9, it says, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But, the, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. 
whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Paul had a job to do and he did it. And he was put into service by God and he says there verse 10, but by the grace of God I am what I am. I, he, says, he recognizes that he was foremost among sinners, that he was an apostle, I think some of the versions says, out of season. He didn't consider himself worthy, but God put him into service. And it's the glory of God that shines through him. And he's not um, worried about that light shining inwardly and showing the, the, where he came from and, and exposing him for the things that he had done, the sins that he had committed in the past. So we ought to do the same. We ought not to be worried about the things of our past because God doesn't. If those sins have been repented, if, if either washed through baptism or repented of later on, God remembers them no more. Look over in James chapter 5. We ought to have this kind of attitude when we're uh, talking amongst our brethren and we're talking to those out in the world and understanding that we just need to put it all on the table and let that light shine inwardly and let people see our flaws, let people see where we've come from because in that is great comfort in knowing that we can all overcome it through Christ Jesus. James chapter 5, beginning of verse 13, it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. As if, as, if his, uh, as if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. How are we going to confess our sins one to another if we're hiding in them? If they're being hidden, if they're blocked from the light that seems to be shining inwardly? James here is writing, he says, confess your sins one to another. Are you sick? Call for the elders to pray over you. If you're, if you're happy, sing, sing praises. If you're suffering, pray. Don't hide these things within ourselves. Let the light shine in so that others can see. We ought to have that kind of attitude. That we ought not to, be, to hide from our past. And we ought to acknowledge the sins that, we've created, that we have committed in the past. Then there's the idea of the light shining outwardly. In our reading in chapter 5 of Matthew, in verse 15, it says, Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all those who are in the house. So now, let's, let's turn our focus now to the light then shining outwardly. The light shining outwardly. What does it do if you put a, a lamp, uh, if you light it and then put, put a basket over it? It's not going to do any good. It's not going to give any light to the household. No, what do you do? You, sit, you light it and you put it on a lampstand. You put it up. You put it where it can be useful, where it can shine throughout the whole house and give its light to all those who are in the house. We can first understand this by this simple verse from Philippians 3 and verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. We can and should look to each other and see how each other are living their lives. 
because we can be an example to each other. Now, here's where it cuts both ways. We can be a good example to our brethren, and we can be a bad example to our brethren. This goes back to what we're talking about, about walking in the light. We want to be that good example to our brethren all the time so that they can look at us and see, uh, following my example, observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Paul says we've laid down this pattern and then observe those who walk according to that pattern. Because it's important to see examples on the earth. We have the scriptures, we have the wonderful example of our Lord and the words that have been recorded about him, but we also have our brethren. We also have those around us who can help to strengthen us, and that God's been given that to us, and it's a blessing. So we need to observe how others behave, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. But there's examples out there. And we need to make sure that we keep doing the right things. Look with me over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Second Thessalonians 3, beginning verse 6. So here, we'll, we'll see in, in this passage here, an uh, example of, of those living incorrectly and those living correctly, and what should be done about each. Verse 6, 2 Thessalonians 3, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep aloof from every brother who leads an unruly life, and not according to the tradition which you have received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example, because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with labor and hardship we kept working night and day so that we might not be burdened uh, to any of you, not because we do not um, have the right to do this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you that you might follow our example. For even when we were with joy, we used to give you this order, if anyone will not work, neither let him eat. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, not acting like, uh, but acting like busybodies. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus to work in quiet fashion, to eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. You see the examples there of both? Recognize the unruly, the undisciplined that are not living the life that they should and that are living off of others. And then also recognize those who are living a disciplined life, a life following after Christ, a life that Paul had taught to them. And follow that example so that we can be good examples of those around us, so that our light shining outwardly would be useful to the household. We need to be those good examples of those around us. Look over in Titus 2. A couple more places here where we can look and see how important it is for us to, to be examples to those around us. Titus 2, beginning in verse 1, But as for you, speak the things which are fitting to sound doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, and love and perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. All these examples that are, that are given in here. Verse 9, urge, urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters and everything, to be well-pleasing, not argumentative. Verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, 
instructing us to de deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. We need to be those good examples around us so that people can see what it is to live a life of a Christian, to walk in the light. One last thing that we can understand about this example that we're using is the idea of letting God's light shine through. In our, back in our text in verse 16 now of Matthew 5, it says, Let your sh light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So we have an inward shining light that that, that this displays who we are to the world. We have an outward shining light that we can uh, be useful in the kingdom. But all of it comes from God. All of it is the light shining through us. And the light shining through us will bring glory to him. And that's what's at stake here. We looked at in our last lesson about Jesus being the lamp. In Revelation 21 and verse 23, as John is describing the scene in heaven, it says there, and the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. And I just love the imagery of that, that God's glorious light is shining. There's no need for the, for the sun or the moon. We don't need any of that for the light. It's God's glorious light that is filling heaven, and it's coming through Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb. And I just love the imagery of that. That Jesus is the Lamb. So what does that mean for us? First, let's understand this. That we need to do faithful works. Look over in James. We need to be about doing things. It's not enough for us just to, to believe, as we'll read here in just a moment. Even the demons believe. We need to be doing. We need to be doing the faithful works of God. James 2, beginning in verse 14. What use is it, my brethren, if a man says he is, has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one says to him, go in peace, be warm and filled, and yet do not give him what is necessary for the body, what use is that? Even so, faith, by no, faith if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Someone might well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works... And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled saying, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. We need to be doing the faithful works of God to make sure that the things that we are doing, first of all, are in accordance with his will, and make sure that we're doing them. Faith is not enough. Even the demons believe that it's a working faith. We need to be doing the faithful works of God. 
And in so doing, we will be bringing glory to God. Look with me in Philippians chapter 1. Doing the faithful works of God will bring glory to him. Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. As Paul is writing to the Philippians and commending them on their faith. He says, verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who has began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart since both my imprisonment and in the defense of my confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you with all affection with Christ Jesus. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in the real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. The things that they were doing, Paul is commending them for. And he tells them right there at the end of verse 11, all these things bring glory and praise to God. So if we're letting God's light shine through us, we see that example of Jesus being the lamp. And think of that wonderful, beautiful, magnificent example that he was in doing God's will. And letting God's light shine through him. That's our ultimate example. So we ought to be doing the same thing. Jesus says over and over, we looked at it in our Bible class this morning, I have fulfilled the things that you have told me to do. Faithful works. We ought to be doing those things. We have to be doing those things if we want God's glorious light to shine through us. And by doing those things, to God be the glory. We're not doing these things to bring glory upon ourselves. We're not doing these things to to pat ourselves on the back. We're doing these things because this is the right thing to do as a child of God. Let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I want to leave you with this from Psalm 29. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. If we're letting our light so shine before men, letting that light shine inwardly so that people can see from where we've come and understand that it's a process, that we've made mistakes along the way, but thanks be to God that we can be redeemed of those sins and we can be forgiven them. So let that story shine through so that the light, they can see what we have done and then let that light then come from us as the glorious light of God shining through us by doing the faithful works that he has commended us to do. And in so doing, we'll bring glory to his name. The gospel will continue to go out. People will be saved from their sins. And the kingdom will keep growing and keep going until our Lord returns. 
we offer an invitation at the close of our time together. The invitation is a time where you can reflect on what the Word of God means to you. Does it mean that I'm going to walk out those doors and return to my life? Or does it mean that I recognize my shortcomings? And I recognize that if I want to be a child of God, I have to do what he tells me to do. You know, God has that right. He's our creator. He can ask of us to do the things that he has told us to do. He doesn't force us to do them. He doesn't compel us to do them. He has told us what is good. Micah 6 and verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good, to love justice, to love mercy, to walk, walk humbly with your God. He has told us what it is that we are to do, and he's given us his word. And then he asks us to obey that and to come unto him through the waters of baptism. That's how we become a child of God. We hear the word and we believe what we have heard and, and recognize that we need to make a change in our life and, and, and make that change. And then we understand that it's important to realize that all this is made possible through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And without him, it's impossible. So we confess of who Jesus Christ is, that he is indeed the Son of God who has brought salvation to all mankind. And if I want to be saved from my sins, I have to do what he says. And I would surrender in baptism, going down into the waters, washing away my sins. And come up out of that, those waters, a, a new creature, to walk in newness of life, washed of our sins, and letting our light then shine, letting God's glory shine through us, be an example to those around us, so they can look at us and see from where we've come, from where we came to now where we are, letting our light shine before men. If as a child of God you're hiding, you've got that lamp under the, under the basket, I would encourage you to let your light shine before men. Take the basket off the lamp. Put the lamp to good use. Let it shine in the world so that people can see your good works and glorify God. Whatever your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.